This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the second and third chapters. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way with his disciples, his made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, "Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath?" And he said to them, "Have you never read what David did?" When he and his companions were hungry and in need of food, he entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he gave them to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath." Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. And he said to him, is it lawful to do good or do harm on the Sabbath, to save or life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the story is told of a cement worker who was putting the finishing touches on his newly cemented sidewalk. And just as he did so, his parish priest happened to come by. The priest stopped to admire his work and congratulated him on an excellent job as he looked at the newly worked cement sidewalk. The workman beamed with pride and went on to say that he felt his work was a true calling a chance to show his love for his neighbors by doing his best work. Love of neighbor, father, he said, that's my key to life. No sooner had he finished saying this when a group of boys chasing each other ran right through his fleshly poured cement. He was enraged. He shook his fist at the boys and let loose a loud stream of threats and curse words. Taken aback, the priest said, what happened to your commitment to love? He replied, Father, that is in the abstract, not in the concrete. You are free to groan at this point? All right. In a way, that response is not too far distant from the different ways people see the Bible. For some, the rather abstract notion of word-for-word literal inspiration 
makes the Bible a, a totally without error in all that is written and difficult passages, well, they can be explained by careful reasoning. It provides a comfort, a comfort of certainty. <clears throat> For others, the Bible should be seen in the concrete reality of the historical development, bearing the footprints of the cultural and historical context and of its various authors. Yet in all that, uh, in with and under, in with and under the concrete realities of biblical development, God is revealing God's self with the promise of new life, a promise we see in the person and work of Jesus, whose grace and mercy shines through. It is that irrepressible vision of the Christ that is the very heart and soul of the Bible. And it has led millions to stake their lives literally and spiritually on his promise. We find a similar contrast in how one takes the Bible when we compare the Pharisees and the Sadducees. While the Sadducees, out of the priestly class, interpreted the Bible literally, the Pharisees interpreted it liberally. The Sadducees believed in the letter of the law. The Pharisees believed in the spirit of the law. Yet in our gospel today, it is the Pharisees who are pressing the letter of the law while Jesus is following the spirit of the law. Here and in other gospels, the Pharisees are frequently portrayed as hypocrites and legalists when they engage with Jesus, a portrayal many Jews feel quite anti-Semitic, by the way. Yet it is the general consensus of almost all scholars that the Pharisees, for the most part, were not that way. <laughs> the fact is that nothing which the Pharisees as a group believed about the law would actually have contradicted Jesus' teachings. So why do we have this portrait of the Pharisees in today's gospel and then generally in the New Testament? Well, the concrete context helps. These particular Pharisees are clearly driven more by issues of political and religious power than theological principle. At least that's how Mark sees it in writing after these events. And he go, for he goes on to say that then they began to conspire against him. Well, when it is all said and done, <clears throat> the essential message is, however, that Jesus' radical understanding of God's law set him apart from his contemporaries and challenges the legalists among us all today as well. The very heart and soul of the law for Jesus is in the twofold commandment to love God and one's neighbor as oneself. On this, he said, hangs all the law and the prophets. Thus, all laws found in the Bible, whether these are the Ten Commandments, the prophets' cries for justice, or other principles drawn from the text, all of these exist to serve love. They are a valid direction and guide for our lives when they authentically express the love that Jesus commands. They exist as a way for us to flourish. 
for the implications of love for life are life-giving. This is the way of Jesus. Now, love cares for the needs of those in the throes of hunger, illness, oppression, abandonment. Love seeks a home for the homeless. Love seeks reconciliation over hostility and estrangement. Love seeks the radical acceptance of all people and fights the destructive effects of discrimination and the tribal impulses to exclude others when they are different. Love seeks the truthfulness that is the cornerstone of healthy relationships. Love is humble in not thinking oneself holier than others and judging them as a result. Jesus had little truck with those who thought too highly of themselves. He challenged the religious leaders to look beyond ritual as the core of religion and instead seek mercy. He warned against devotion to religious practices at the expense of the weightier concerns of love for neighbor. All these things and more that we could say about love and how love works spell out the obligations of love for neighbor. Therefore, Jesus is not saying, do whatever you seems okay to you. There are clear guideposts for the life of love, yet they must continually be interpreted in life's various moments of decision, just as we need to interpret the Bible in light of its heart and soul in the gospel of God's love in Jesus. So truthfulness, for example, is an obligation of love, but at times the truth is conveyed, how the truth is conveyed is equally a concern of love. A prominent theologian once told of a wise and kind sextant at a church where seminary students often preached as part of their practical education. He always had three stock answers for them when they anxiously asked him, well, how did I do? How did I do? If they had done well, he would say, the Lord has been gracious. If moderately well, he would say, the text was difficult. And if they did badly, he would say, the hymns were well chosen. A blunt statement of hard truth may be hurtful and ineffective. Truth may be better conveyed through a dialogue that enables persons to discover the problem for themselves. And sometimes telling the truth may result in harm to someone or several someones. In this case, it may be that one's obligation in love to prevent undue harm is greater than the obligation to tell the truth. Yes, there is a rule that love is served by telling the truth. But how that works out in practice is a matter of discernment. The life of love in the public square gets a bit more complicated. There is no Christian form of government, no Christian tax policy, no Christian immigration policy, no Christian environmental policy, no Christian educational policy, no Christian foreign policy or trade policy. However, the obligations of love to seek justice and make peace have clear implications for how Christians live out their duties as citizens. 
There are Christians who are Republicans, Christians who are Democrats, independents, and members of other political parties. Political solutions in a messy world must often require some accommodation to competing claims, some compromise, in order that needs, because all needs cannot be met. Therefore, one expects that there will be differences among Christians as to how to proceed in the complexity and uncertainties of public policy. However, despite those differences, all Christians should agree that the Bible is very clear on its priority for the poor in God's justice, the priority of equality in dignity and treatment, a home for the homeless, as Jesus provided for his mother Mary while still on the cross. And a welcome to the stranger. As we heard again uh, in the text this morning, as God reminded the Israelites that they were strangers and captives in Egypt, and they were delivered purely out of divine love and nothing they had done to deserve it. One cannot hear the poetic words of Isaiah that the wolf will lie down with the lamb in harmonious new creation, or Paul telling us that our redemption in Christ and the redemption of all things, all the creation, is tied together. One cannot hear these words without loving the earth and all that is in it. It is our source of life, not merely resources for our life. And Christians being realistic about the weaknesses of humankind in a broken world should as much as possible seek and support leaders of high character who have a measure of humility that reflects the truth of our imperfect human world and the imperfection in motive and understanding that we all share. Like the Pharisees who confronted Jesus in Mark's gospel. Many folks like to have clear and simple rules that must be followed from a clear and simple Bible. That way they are assured of being right when they follow the rule. It can also, it's comforting. It's comforting. It it takes the hard work of discernment right out of the equation. It can also lead to confusion, doubt, or despair when it is discovered that life is messy and does not always allow for simple solutions. And the Bible also is a living word, a living word that must be listened to, understood, and interpreted ever anew throughout each time and in each place. While Jesus is teaching us to look at life and its decisions, whether clear or tricky through the lens of love. That is Jesus' way. Because we belong to him, because he is with us in all we face and do, because we have the gifts of the Spirit in our life in Christ, because we live in the promise of forgiveness and boundless grace, because of these we are equipped for the life of love. We are able to face uncertainties, ambiguities, and disappointments of life without despair 
but with confidence in God's presence with us. So you see, Jesus is treating us as adults. Thanks be to God. Amen.